welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I am not Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. Happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, as Now, listeners, people who listened to last week's episode know that I talked multiple, became a running joke about me being on the verge of 37. I'm still on the verge. I know. We are recording early Anticipation because... Anticipation runs high. Yeah, we're recording this episode earlier than usual because the normal recording date falls on my That's birthday. True. And I, while well, I am in many ways the sort of stereotypical American male who doesn't like to make a big deal out of his birthday, I do like to go out to dinner with my wife it's ironic know? giving the subject of this episode yeah and the I fact know. that we changed the recording date that you say you don't like to make a big deal of i know it just it, it, it uh, I, yeah it seems like a big deal because we had to arrange things and also because it weirdly very organically came up multiple times last week sure um but no normally only if I, I, my rule is if my birthday falls on a friday or saturday okay i will go to a bar and send an email to friends saying hey come hang out at this bar on my birthday that's a good rule if it if it's sunday through thursday <laughs> it's just me and natalie All right. you know and that's fine and so that's me next year yeah mark your calendars because okay. next year it'll be a saturday All right. because of the leap year i'm missing a friday again i don't care yeah it's fine but next year my birthday will be on a saturday we'll do something uh, i can't sure. wait um so yeah, sorry, uh, we haven't said your name yet. That's right. I'm Scott Nye. Editor at large of Battleship Retention. Tyler Smith is on assignment. So um, normally uh, at this point in the show, uh, now I teased this last week because I didn't have a co-host. I had a guest, but no That's co-host true. to bounce the uh, top of the show topic All off right. of. Uh, and so the thing that I teased last week, I don't know if you've listened to last week's episode. I did, but I don't remember the tease. AFI Fest no longer free. That's right. Now, this doesn't matter to you because you tend to uh, I don't know. Uh, attend on a press pass. <sighs> this is the thing I keep meaning to check because they don't have the press section of their site up. So I don't know if they're running things different this year because it used to be like the pass was essentially like nothing to them. It was just like giving you a free ticket which they give out anyway. Right. It gets you into the same stuff. N- nothing special. You can stand in the same line as everybody mm-hmm. else. So there's really no advantage to having a press pass aside from you don't have to stay online and get all the tickets. Uh, so something tells me now that they're free, not, not going to be free. right. Yeah. Not free. So they're not going to be as uh, free and easy with the press pass. I st- look, I still think, I mean, you'd hope so. Battleship pretend qualifies. You qualify. We've been, we've been covering this damn thing for almost 10 years. Yeah. My, uh, my thing is what do I, what do I do? Which is, I uh, just, uh, cause uh, yeah, I am, um, I'm going to, I'm going to cough up some money for tickets sure. um, and maybe try and get battleship retention to partially reimburse me well, for that. Enough. We'll see. Um, but uh, that's a, that's an off mic type uh, topic of conversation for me and Tyler. But um, yeah, the idea of, cause they also, I don't remember how much it was, but they used to have a thing for members where you could get a, a pass. Yeah. For that like was 60 bucks. 60. That's what yeah. I thought it was. 60 bucks. They're not even offering that anymore. Well, no, because it, again, that pass was essentially like just a way to not have to go through the online system. Right. <laughs> You're still still in the same line. 60 bucks to, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, uh, this year tickets will be $15 a pop more for the gala screenings. Um, I don't know how much even more. more for the special screenings, which are like somewhere between uh, the foreign films nobody cares about right. and the gals, which everybody cares about, but there's special screenings or stuff like kind of mid tier Oscar stuff. Like what was a, what was a special screening last year? La- I mean, I don't remember. Your, I know in the past that it had like melancholia was that, uh, and okay. vice, 
like kind of these vaguely awardsy, but probably not going to make a huge splash movies. And then what were the galas last year? Is it just everything in the Chinese? Yeah, the Chinese stuff for sure. That's always galas. Um, yeah, which I can never remember because I never go to them. So I went last year to two. Okay, I could have skipped them both. I didn't like either movie sure, very much. Sure. I saw Widows, which is okay. Well, Widows is great, but you're um, that's fine. It's my favorite Steve McQueen film for whatever, <laughs> whatever that's worth. I know exactly uh, what that's worth. And uh, I saw Bird Box, which was really yeah, not bad. Good. Um, uh, so yeah, those are, I guess this not doing justice to my case that those are like huge Oscar players. Cause they obviously weren't. Uh, and I think also on the basis of sex was a gala last yeah. year. The um, division line is very fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, but no, this isn't what I wanted to get into. What I wanted right. to get into is cause they haven't announced the schedule or, sure. the, or even the program really outside of queen and slim being the opening film. I'm not sure what else we know. Yeah. I don't playing. think they've announced the closing either. So, so do you think the program is going to be different? I wouldn't expect it to be. Um, Why same, is that? Mainly because the same programming team seems to be in place just based on those I follow and seeing their tweets and stuff. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe they'll slim down the package. Uh, I mean, in general, I'm kind of in favor of them making a shell off of tickets because the crowd gets pretty rowdy <laughs> and nobody understands how the ticketing works. And everyone gets pissed off about it. And hopefully this means we can actually walk around this year <laughs> instead of yeah, that'd be nice. being shuffled. No, yeah. I, I mean, I also understand that, that I have a financial privilege that I'm able to say, like, sure. okay, I'll cough up 135, 150 bucks to see nine or ten movies. I'll, I, can, I can float that. Yeah. I don't know. But I also know a lot of people, including people that I actually know who attend, who that's, a, that's not so easy a decision for them. So I yeah. worry about the, you know... That uh, that uh, they've set this precedent that uh, people in Los Angeles who love movies and maybe don't have a lot of money can see all these great movies. Yeah, for sure. That now they can't. But also, I guess I I, I, I want you to allay my fears. My other thing is, are now that they're making money off of this, <laughs> off of tickets, are they going to avoid programming? the weirder shit, you I know, mean, you'd hope that would give them the resources to do more of that. That's a good, okay. So I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see, but I'm certainly banking on it for several titles from can that, uh, have yet to have firm distribution plans here. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I, I, I hope you're right. But I know last year, like you and I, you didn't like it as much as I did, but we saw vision. The, yeah. um, uh, what's her name? Um, Naomi Kwasi, Naomi Kwasi, uh, starring, uh, Juliette Binoche. um, that's such an under under the radar movie. Totally. Um, that I worry that it, they might not find it worth it. Like, oh, we're not going to we're not going to sell enough tickets to that. Let's yeah. Put, let's put a uh, I don't know what's something that's you know let's put another screening of uh, another beautiful Wasp day in the network. neighborhood. Wasp Network. That's <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. Yes. Um, uh, another screening. Of Wasp no, I, I think this year will be mostly the same, and then. It won't work out as they plan, and then next year they'll try to make adjustments. That would be my guess. Okay. Uh, I'm worried because I've come to really love AFI Fest and look forward to it. I love the movies. I hate everything else about it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Well, I like, you know, I'm a sucker for the Hollywood and Highland complex. It's yeah, the, that's it's, true. It is on its face the worst place in Los Angeles and one of my favorite places in Los I Angeles. I always uh, defend the Holland Island area because it's like the perfect representation of Los Angeles. It wants to be like this big, beautiful, pretty thing, but it's just full of scumbags. It's yeah, it's full of scumbags. Yeah, it is. It is our our Times Square. It has the in the it has the people in filthy costumes yep. uh, who charge you to take pictures uh, with them. The thing that always cracks me up is that it's 
full of tourists all the time. Yeah. Who are there. It's it's low tourism, right? Meaning like vulgar tourism. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and yet the entire mall is designed around the sets from intolerance right <laughs> because this that's is the balance i'm talking it's about. on it is uh hollywood highland is roughly uh where the studios where dw griffith shot um no that's like three miles away uh no uh the intolerance set was where the vista is are you sure yeah 100%. uh i am uh, because I'm remembering uh, a, 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 a TCM fest while well, we're talking about festivals that take place in Hollywood and Highland uh, a few years ago where uh, one of the few times when I ever went to like one of the non-movie like a panel thing. yeah totally and Carrie Beecham um, sort of moderated this thing where a bunch of different people read uh, there was a collection of Hollywood stories. It was called like my first time in Hollywood or something like that. And it was like from like Buster Keaton and all these people and there and the head, she had different like sort of, uh, TCM fest type luminaries. Sure. Um, you know, Ileana Douglas, uh, uh, read one, um, reading story. And there was, and now I can't remember her name, but one of the most prolific, like silent screenwriters who started at a very young age. Okay. I, I would know her name if you said it. Sure. And she told a story about meeting D.W. Griffith at the lot, and the lot that she described was right off of, like, how, where Hollywood okay, and Highland there might was. have been a lot So there, there might have been a lot, but it's, that's not... But it not, wasn't where they shot that I think sequence. I made that A to C leap sure, yeah. there and assumed, well, D.W. Griffith was at the... Right. Shooting at this <laughs> lot here. It makes sense that that's where... I mean, it was all just was. open space. They could just build anything anywhere back then. Um, so what, which lot was it? Was there a name of the lot that was at oh, the Vista? I don't know. It might not, again, it's just all open space. It might not even been like real land. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I know the, well, we're getting so off topic, but I love this stuff. <laughs> um, the original Fox lot, Sunset and Western. Now, now a food for less. Okay. Um, I'm trying to picture that. Oh yeah. I know that intersection. Uh, but the reason that that's notable is that behind uh, on, um, between fountain, uh, the corner of fountain and, uh, I can't remember what the small street is. That's one block east of Western. Sure. But on the corner of that is the deluxe laboratory. Like, oh, okay. you know, the, the original, I mean, uh, deluxe is a huge, right. You know, multinational, but the actual like lab where they printed film and still, I guess, technically do a little bit. There's not very much of that right. going on anymore, but the lab is there behind the food for oh, cool. and deluxe started as the, Fox post-production facility okay. eventually broke off into being its own company. So uh, that, that's the deluxe lab is still on the, it's the only film related thing that's still on right. the area of the original Fox lot from like 1919 or whatever. Super cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. Um, but this is not, I wanted to tell, I, I wanted to get down and dirty in AFI fest <laughs> and, uh, it sounds like you're in wait and see mode. I'm in, uh, irrational panic <laughs> mode. Not because, again, I can afford, and I'm very blessed, uh, hashtag blessed to be able to afford the, the tickets, but I do worry about the programming. You're saying I shouldn't worry. I'm I, I just don't think they'll make any radical changes this year in that regard. Um, you know, they figured they have the extra cash floating around. They have the same programming team. I mean, I feel like it'll be easy to parse it and be like, well, they wouldn't have programmed this last year. They would have programmed this in the past mm-hmm. um, for stuff that they miss. But like, 
I feel like people do that every year anyway. We're like, we always look at the schedule, get some stuff we didn't expect, miss out on some stuff we do expect. So it's going to be impossible. Well, what are you expecting? Um, geez, I don't know. Uh, Wasp Network. Yeah. Uh, the Whistlers, I'm really hoping for. Yeah. They've been Perumbu in the past. That'd be good. Uh, oh, yeah. You and I saw metabolism or one even yeah. goes on bucharest together uh i think hong sang su has some movies this year he should anyway just most years yeah stands to reason <laughs> um so right, yeah, yeah the, the whistlers uh yeah i came very close we just last week we did our uh tiff yeah i didn't wrap hear up. it in your wrap-up uh what's that i didn't hear it in your wrap-up uh, i thought it, you were gonna be seeing it it was on my to see list and then i kind of realized that it was uh up literally it was up against the Portrait of a Lady on Fire, P and I. Yeah, that's tricky. And uh, that ended up being my second favorite film of the sure. festival. So I don't really regret going to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. But the fact that that is if definitely only... coming out December fourth, and I don't know when The Whistlers is coming out, maybe I should have. Yeah, and if only you knew they were going to send you a press email while you're at the festival, <laughs> yeah, with like ten true. screenings you could yeah. have chosen from. Yeah, yeah. I always, I mean, always. I've only gone to TIFF two years, yeah. but I, I do like that. Does enter in sometimes to sure. being like. Like I, you know, I, I didn't see a beautiful day in the neighborhood or marriage story because I know I'm going to have yeah, totally. ample opportunity to see that. But also some of it is like, what's going to get clicks for the website. Sure. Kinda, sure. That kind of stuff. I mean, marriage but, story, Netflix is just going to force you to watch it as soon as you open the app. Right. So you'll be all set there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah, there are certain things that I, anyway, you've, yeah, the listeners have heard the, the TIFF wrap up. All right. So, um, AFI Fest should still be good. We're going to love it. We're going to have a I great mean, time. Assuming they let us in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going anyway. Yeah. I'll at least see a, a handful. Uh, yeah. It'll be fewer. Do you think, do you think your friend, the coughing lady will be kept away? I, I think she will be kept away. Oh, that's too bad. Unfortunately, I think we're still gonna have to refer to it as AFI fest presented by Audi. Uh, cause somehow Audi is still a sponsor. Yeah, but they must have. I don't know what they're sponsoring now. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I will. They used to be the reason we got free tickets. I guess yeah. they cut back. I will continue to refer to it as AFI Fest presented by presented by Audi as I always have. Well, you have to every single time That's that what I refer to called. it. What the festival's called since 2011 or whatever. Yeah. Whenever Audi came, uh, took over it, to, uh, took over the sponsorship. Anyway. That's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. And uh, I don't know about you, Scott, but Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today I was listening. I've still got, it's been a couple weeks since I've been in Canada. Sure. I still got Canada on the brain. And they, uh, the, the winner of the Polaris Prize, the Canadian Music Prize, uh, was announced just yesterday, the day Didn't before. they had a prize. Uh, oh, yeah. Stands um, to reason. And uh, it went to uh, a rapper I've never heard of named Javia Mighty. I don't know. Canadian rap. Uh, well, it's taken Who over knew? the world. Drake is one of the biggest rappers true. in the world. But he, uh, like all successful Canadians, he left. <laughs> right? Uh, That's what they do. I guess that is, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, which Canadians still, like, live there. David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg still lives there, yeah. Um, Neil Young, at this point, I think, wants you to forget that he's a Canadian. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that. Uh, oh, yeah, he's Canadian, he, but he sings, like, almost exclusively, yeah, talks totally. almost exclusively about the U.S. That's why I didn't know um, that. Scott Thompson goes to my Ralph's. 
Scott okay. Thompson from the kids in the <laughs> kids in the You're hall. Continuing to name people who left. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There are a lot of a lot of Canadians uh, who who are here in Los Angeles or in Neil Young's case, further up the coast. Anyway, Javier Mighty. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was kind of you know uh on the fence about whether or not it was a good album but it sounded great in my tweet buds. they're available at a low low price at tweetardio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you can get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so go to tweetardio.com and use the offer code pretension getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So, Scott. Yo. We are talking about it being my birthday. That's the entire episode. That's the entire episode. We're going to go through all no, 37 uh, years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ranked. Oh, wow. Yeah, I could do, like, my favorite movie of each of the 37 years. I was just thinking about ranking the years of your life. the years? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a pretty easy, just, like... Uh, I'm I've said this before I'm the happiest I've ever been sure and so you could just count backwards yeah but the years in between you know there had to be some years where it went down before going back up I don't know I was uh not a happy kid which is not to say not the same as saying I didn't have a happy sure childhood I had a good childhood of, of you know I was well taken care of I yeah, had you parents appreciate it. who loved me I didn't know I think I just <laughs> I hated being a kid sure so much I hated not being able to make decisions for myself right? uh, and being told, uh, you know, this is what you're doing and where you're doing and when you're doing it. And right. uh, And And so every step closer to that. Yeah. Like every day since you've been making more and more decisions for yourself. Yeah. I I spent my entire childhood going, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I'm free to make decisions for myself. And you know what? It turned out exactly how I pictured. (laughs) Like I'm free to do whatever I want. It's pretty fucking awesome. Right on. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I can have pop tarts if I want. It's true. In fact, tomorrow's my birthday. You know what I'm going to have for breakfast? Get some pop tarts. I'm going to have some pop tarts. <laughs> Might as well start the day strong. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I expect tomorrow to be a good birthday. A lot of movie characters don't always have great birthdays. It's we'll true. We'll be talking about them, some of that today. We're going to talk about movies about birthdays or at least movies that have notable birthday scenes right. in them. Um, and so as I was doing my research, I realized there aren't actually a lot of movies that are entirely focused on a birthday. Yeah. I had trouble um, coming up with ones that were entirely that. But there are so many movies that start with birthdays. Okay. It seems to be like a leaping off point. In fact, this is, these are not movies, but television. We're coincidentally, Natalie and I just watched the first episode, season one, episode one of insecure last okay. night. Have, have you watched the, nope. the show? The first episode takes place on her 29th birthday. The first day of the last day of her, of the last year right. of her twenties. Um, and it reminded me immediately of, in a very different way that the first episode of breaking bad takes place on Walter White's 50th birthday. Oh yeah. That and like then the show like ends on his birthday. No, the, um, there's like the first episode thing. of the second half of the final season. Right. 
takes place on his 51st birthday. Right. So that entire first four and a half seasons only took place over the course of a single year. Busy Um, year. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, TV is really good for birthdays because it's like you got to fill those episodes somehow. Oh, yeah. They're there year after year. Someone's going to have a birthday eventually. Yeah. I think Tyler and I on a recent Patreon episode, uh, not that Tyler has seen this, but I mentioned the... um, uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy's birthday episode that is a direct homage to Louise Bunuel's The Exterminating Angel. Oh, nice. Where they're all locked in the house. Like, not yeah. locked, but they find themselves mystically unable to leave sure. the house. Um, but no, we're not talking about TV shows. We could talk about that forever. But when I, but there, like I said, there are a lot of movies that start with birthdays. All right. Um, one of the first ones that, that, that came to mind when you and I and Tyler Roth, Mike were talking about this topic was, uh, the Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring, sure. which starts with a huge birthday party for Bilbo. Um, I also thought of the jerk is movie that, that the, Oh, I forgot about the whole opening entirely. thing yeah. is that he's, it's his birthday. And that's when he like, uh, decides to, to to set off uh, well, on, on his own he decides to finally ask about himself right right, right, why right. he's not the same color as everyone else yeah. <laughs> right yes uh and then there's certain like um let's see what else uh child's play the plot is kicked off because chucky is a birthday present for okay. andy that's in the 1988 original not the 2019 remake when they where, bastardized the whole story uh i, I don't I care about that the remake was fine <laughs> i haven't uh, seen any of these um, uh yeah i was gonna say you should see the first one but i don't know that you'd like it. yeah um, anyway i've got i've got more but uh, uh do you have any more uh did, does that make you think of anything movies that are kicked off by um, birthdays well, hearing Talk the for a second. sure david's out of here uh hearing the plot of child's play i did immediately think of toy story which wasn't on my list but um which also starts with a birthday and with a kid getting a present for a birthday and just it is a good starting point because birthdays kind of not necessarily signal change, but can signal change for a lot of people. Uh, and one of the movies on my list and I kind of broke this into the themes. Um, the last theme, but we can get there first cause we're practically there is, uh, the idea of birthdays starting you as a new person. Um, and one of the movies that I think starts on a birthday more or less is, uh, David Fincher's the game. And the entire film becomes structured around his birthday present. Yeah, that was actually one of the uh, the game and Sixteen Candles were the yeah. two that I had as being like these are these are legitimately movies Genuine about birthdays. Birthday. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like, I mean, I haven't seen the game since I was a teenager, so I don't remember it that well. But it is very much about uh, confronting yourself and coming to terms with who you are at a certain age, and maybe you don't like that picture, and so you're making some big life changes. Maybe that involves going on the run. Uh-huh. Uh, I also haven't seen the game since I was yeah. uh, a teenager. I don't remember very much. I remember not liking it very I didn't much. Like it there either. was a period of because I never liked Fight Club, never liked the game, never liked Panic Room. There's a, that that so, run of David Fincher movies that I just never. I like all the rest of those, but I I never liked yeah. the game. Um, the where do you stand on Seven? I like Seven. Uh, the ending I, of the game is too silly because he would <laughs> very easily kill himself, and they acknowledge as much in the dialogue. <laughs> uh, but luckily, he jumps in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Seven is one of those that we're off topic again, but Seven is one of those movies like The Dark Knight, where every time I watch it, I feel the opposite of the last time I watched. Sure. It. Um, so I always seem to be either underrating it or overrating it. Right. Like I'll watch it thinking like last time I watched Seven, I really liked it. So I watch it again, I'll be like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> and mean, then the next time you I watch could it, just like, oh, remember the cycle <laughs> and then say, yeah, maybe. I'll probably just be okay with this movie. Um, but. Uh, 
the one thing I do remember about the game is the part when he loses one of his shoes and he says, that was a $400 shoe. And the guy next to him was like, your shoes cost $400. And he goes, that one did. (laughs) Uh, Meaning he bought his, they're $800 shoes, uh, which is who refers to their shoes, by how much they cost per shoe. A guy like Michael Douglas's character (laughs) that kind of tracks with the whole thing the movie's about. Okay. Um, so the first section, actually speaking of movies that start on birthdays, um, I realized that there are a handful of movies that kind of use birthdays as a deadline or countdown. Um, so people are either looking towards or trying to accomplish something by their birthday. Uh, so the first movie I thought of and the earliest movie on my list in general is uh, the Buster Keaton movie, Seven Chances. Oh, good. Yeah. One. yeah. Which, um, the whole movie starts with him turning 27 and discovering that his uncle has left him a great fortune if he gets married by the end of his 27th birthday. Yeah. Which, or like by 7 p.m. on his 27th birthday. So the whole movie becomes a countdown of how fast he can get married. Yeah. And he starts by proposing to the girl he's seeing, and for some reason she turns him down. I can't remember why. I can't remember why either. I've seen it within the last couple years. Yeah, but that's like immediately where he starts. Yeah. For some reason, it doesn't work out. And then actually, word gets out to the town. Women are chasing him all over the town. Yeah. Uh, It's a great movie. It's probably the first silent movie I saw in general. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, That's not, in general, isn't a pun to the other famous Buster Keaton movie. Uh, (laughs) But uh, now I'm trying to think what the first silent movie I saw was. It was probably Nosferatu. Sure. Because I'd heard about it. Heard it was pretty intense. Uh, And it, uh, didn't disappoint. I love that yeah. movie to this day. Um, yeah, Seven Chances is is really great. It has a lot of great set pieces, including the one where uh, he's when he's running away from the people and he sort of starts a landslide, and yeah. so he's running away from boulders and like yeah. jumping over boulders as they're coming up behind him. It's really exciting. But it does have um, Seven Chances has one. I don't know when was the last time you saw it, but it has one gag that is uh, so racist. Oh yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not going to describe it so people can watch the movie if uh, they want. It does have uh, my favorite uh, low-key Buster Keaton effect where he gets into a car and then the background just fades into the next location instead of him driving off. <laughs> he just sits in the car, the image fades into the next location, then he gets out of the car. Oh, wow, I don't remember that. It's so great. Um, my favorite Buster Keaton moment ever is car-related, and that's in Cops when he grabs a hold of the car oh, sure. as it's going past. It's... Uh, it's stunning to me every time I've watched the gif on a loop just as, like <laughs> yeah. he must um, his shoulder or elbow or both must have come out of their socket <laughs> when he did that it I don't know it's I mean, absurd how that, that that car doesn't slow down right they, I'm assuming they welded some sort of a handle on you would think yeah for him to grab on there's more rig than appears to be but but still he it, it, it's a step <laughs> because his in the moment when all I'd be thinking is don't die. Sure. He still has the, the presence of mind to play to the camera right. and face the camera and splay his body out <laughs> in a way that it's not just amazing. And he grabbed a hold of a passing car that, and, and, and sped off frame, but he still, he still plays to the camera and has like an extra beat of comedy because, right. because of what his body does in that moment. Uh, that's why the I man specified was an amazing uh, anyway, that's why I specified low key effect. I'm not talking yeah. about anything stunt related. Yeah. Uh, also Sorry. on my kind of deadline countdown list. Have you ever seen uh, baby doll? No, baby doll is a sick, great movie. Uh, it's an Ilya Kazan movie. It's about, it's written by Tennessee Williams. I don't think it was based on a play. I think he wrote it for the screen. I'm not hundred percent sure about that though. Um, stars Carl Malden as this very like ornery. And in this case, very horny guy who lives on a farm who married, 
a young girl who I can't remember the actress's name now. That's going to bother me until I'm sure you're looking it up. Uh, uh, I was looking up something else, but now I'm going to look up that. And he married up. her when she was 18, but made an agreement with her father that he wouldn't consummate the marriage until she turned 20. And the movie takes place immediately before her 20th birthday, where he's just desperate to have sex with her. And she is quickly realizing that she doesn't want to be married to him. And it's all played in like a pitch black comedy. It's one of those movies that is so out of control and so insane and completely decimates any idea we've kind of inherited about like 50 cinema being so conservative because it is an outrageous movie that is so great. Uh, it's Carol Baker. Carol Baker. Who was also right. in giant and, um, something wild if I recall correctly. Oh, okay. Um, um anyway, it's super awesome and it's definitely, uh, speaks to the feeling of like when when you're like 18 to probably 23 or so and younger too but especially in those years like every year feels significant and feels like so much longer a stretch than it actually is mm-hmm. um, and when she probably got married she probably didn't think anything of it but now that um, she's com- confronting the possibility of uh, having to have sex with terrible sweaty <laughs> bald and Carl Malden <laughs> Uh, not a fan. That's, uh, Tennessee Williams is one of those guys that is like so revered as this great American man of letters sure. or whatever that it took me. Mark Twain is a similar guy. Both, okay. uh, both have a strong Missouri connection. Um, Tennessee Williams lived a lot of his life in Missouri and is buried in St. Louis actually. Um, both guys that you they, like that their names just ring out with a certain like, Oh yes, great, great writers. And then you, grow up and read more of their stuff. That's like just that below like the sort of canon right. and read about them and realize like great. A weirdos. Oh yeah. Total weirdos. Well, that's so much of American kind of literary history. Like I'm finally reading Moby Dick for the first time. And that is a weird goddamn book. Yeah. I, I read that when I was too young and I've yeah. actually been thinking about reading it again because, um, someone else we follow on Twitter was just tweeting about a lot it. of people are reading Moby Dick right now yeah I wonder why but um I was yeah I was literally just thinking I should read that again because I read it when I was in because I thought it'd be cool and read it when I was in like middle school sure. and I, <laughs> I, I'm sure I didn't uh yeah uh, I mean, but the then f- I read um Billy Bud in high school um that's him right I don't know um I'm think, unfamiliar with the works of uh one Herman Melville um and then I think in high school I was supposed to read Bartleby the Scrivener and and didn't I didn't read anything I was supposed to read, especially in college. You'd read like a chapter and you'd be like, I don't have time. Um, I finally learned in college to take a short story class. So if you missed one, you know, not that big a deal. But there, there are stuff that I had to read for, um, for, uh, for classes that I ended up really liking. I, yeah, like, I, I really did. liked the Scarlet Letter. I, I thought it was a yeah, really I've never good read book. That, but I did read Gatsby in high school and adored it. See, I, this is going to sound like a weird, uh, like I'm bragging. Sure. But I feel like there are certain books that are th- thought of as like, yeah, everyone read that in high school. But I only when it came to English and literature, at least I only took AP classes. Sure. And so I think they just assumed that I'd read all that oh, stuff yeah. and gave me all this <laughs> other stuff. So I read like a lot of like Flannery O'Connor and like I had weirdly I had great. Um, uh, I had I had well, I had female literature teachers in high school that really pushed American female writers. Oh, cool. I was going to say great teachers. One of them was great. One of them. Sure. Uh, I don't know. She was the kind of person who was, um, very quick to correct grammar in ways that are oh, like, yeah. like, I think that's, you know, 
I don't know. Times change. Let's kind of changes. <laughs> you know, it's okay if I say, "Can I go to the bathroom?" Yeah, you yeah. know what the fuck I mean. Yeah. Anyway, I'm weirdly still mad at this lady. Who's <laughs> probably hard to imagine uh, why you had tired. Yeah. Why you couldn't wait to be an adult? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I read Flannery O'Connor. I read Willa Cather. Okay. Um, in in these classes and all this stuff, and yet somehow I skipped. Right. Uh, having to read things like Gatsby. So I did eventually like in college read Gatsby on my own and really liked it. Um, but yeah, we're way off topic. Sure. Um, you know, it's, uh, this is a different thing than I think you were talking, cause you were talking about birthday as deadline or as goal yeah. or whatever. And you're talking about it as the, the protagonist's birthday, but a movie in, cause I Googled birthday movies and, and a couple came out that I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot in the movie. This is a Tyler and David favorite. Okay. Um, Joel Schumacher's falling down. Never saw it. The whole, do you know the premise of the movie? Yeah. He kind of like loses it, but he abandons his car in morning right. LA rush, rush hour traffic and spends the day walking across the city and mostly, um, being an angry white man who's right. yelling at minorities. And I think there's a lot of people who like s- are too quick to see him as the hero. When I think a lot of the sure. movie is actually kind of about what a uh, piece of shit he and the types of guys he represent are like being angry at things like, you know, there's the Korean grocer who doesn't know who says, uh, I, I can't, he says the word like is the, the, the can of Coke costs, costs 50 cents, which those are the oh, days. Yeah. Uh, and he, something about the way he says pronounces 50 cents just like drives him mad but anyway the whole point is that he's trying to get from roughly downtown-ish to venice because that's where his ex-wife and daughter live and it's his daughter's birthday oh okay but he is there's a restraining order against him he's very specifically not supposed to be there and spends the entire day uh uh trying to get there um I'd forgotten that that is a motivation of uh, of a character. It's, right. it's different than what you're talking about in this ticking clock thing, but it, it is it is the goal. The whole movie is leading up to a uh, a birthday party. Yeah, along the same lines, actually. Have you seen the Puffy Chair? No. Okay, so the Puffy Chair is the first. I think it was the Duplass Brothers' first movie, um, and it stars Mark Duplass, um, and he and his brother in the movie. I don't think Jay Duplass plays the brother, but in his, the movie he has a brother. They are trying to buy and deliver this puffy chair that resembles the one their dad had when they were growing up. They're trying okay. to get it to their dad for his birthday. Um, and it's a really great movie. It's much better than anything they've done since in my opinion. Um, but hmm. it's a really intense movie just about like these guys who are so uh, attached to this idea of their father from growing up and trying to make up the lost years by delivering this uh, chair. And it's very much about like the way birthdays are for other people, a way to like try to make things up to other people and oh, okay. show their appreciation for people they maybe uh, neglected over the years. Um, yeah, I think I like the Duplass brothers more than you do. I'm trying to, cause I liked Jeff who lives at home. It's okay. It was good um, until the end. Oh no! Silly. I but I no. I think that that silly ending is, in retrospect, telegraphed from the very beginning. All right, because the very opening scene of the movie is Jason Segel having a monologue about the movie Signs and how much he loves right. the movie Signs, and then the movie ends with just as much crazy coincidence as Signs. <laughs> I think it is all part of the movie's sort of uh, uh, metatextual design, if you will. Um, but also I once like three years after Jeff who lives at home came out, yeah. I tweeted like 
hey, I like, I, I like that movie just out of nowhere. Just like, <laughs> I like that movie Jeff Lewis at home and Jay Duplass retweeted it and like <laughs> gave me a thumbs up. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, um, but I like the Dodeca pentathlon. I didn't see that one. Uh, yeah. I like, what else did they, have they done? Uh, Cyrus. Um, oh, they did that. Yeah. Oh, that was all right. That was all right. I feel like they didn't did stick my memory very well. One other in between Cyrus and Puffy chair, but I can't think of it. Um, but along the same lines of like, a commitment and in this case a daughter uh old boy which i actually you haven't seen right no i've seen it oh, tyler hasn't seen that's it. right uh, and somehow also hasn't been spoiled for it which is crazy that's insane um but he yeah. needs to see it before he gets spoiled because it is yeah as i know people love old boy but to me it is a movie that doesn't play as well when you know the ending um i mean i think it wouldn't play as well if you knew the ending i think it plays well if you've seen it before i've seen it multiple times and i think it totally see i don't know i've seen it twice and the second yeah. time i was just like okay uh, I kind of like the part where he eats the octopus, except I don't anymore because I don't eat cephalopods anymore because I've learned about how smart they are. And Oh, yeah, they're going to take over. And I feel terrible. It's like eating a monkey or a small child. Like, Fair enough. They know too much. They're too aware right. and too intelligent for me. To, I, so as much as I love calamari, sure. I used to love getting octopus in my... Um, you know the Korean tofu soup? Sure. I'm not sure what that's uh what the, the, the name for that is. But I used to love getting octopus at B C D Tofu House. Uh I can't do it anymore. I, I feel too guilty. Yeah, here. Especially in the case that this one's alive. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, at the opening of the film he's trying to get a present to his daughter for on her birthday. Yeah. And then he gets whisked away into the night. Um and that is not giving too much away. Um also yeah. on the same line of commitment, uh have you ever seen Pool Hall Junkies? <laughs> No, it's uh, one of the worst movies that I actually still like. Um, and this scene is totally representative of it. It's just a small bit where uh, the protagonist, you know, is very cocky, slick pool player. He wakes up when his girlfriend throws a big pitcher of water on his face because he has forgotten her birthday. Oh, no, he's let her down. And she gives him this whole speech about how he doesn't care about anything. And she goes to the next room. And he set up this like super ornate birthday thing. <laughs> None of this comes back around again. It's just to show like that. He's totally awesome at being a boyfriend. <laughs> um, oh, that would be, uh, that would almost be worth getting the jug of water thrown in your face right, or whatever for the satisfaction. <laughs> uh, just you wait. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I, I realized I skipped a couple when I was talking about oh, movies sure. that are sort of, um, yeah, no, I kind of took off that sort of, uh, uh, that the, what's what we're sort of saying that the birthday is the inciting event, inciting event. Yes. Uh, there's, this is 40. Sure. Um, totally. which starts with the characters turning 40 or ends with, I'm trying to remember because there's a birthday party at the end, right? It's Leslie Mann's birthday party at the I end. I tried very hard to forget most of this movie, so um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, because the thing, the reason I remember there's a birthday party at the end is because. All right. <laughs> I love Los Angeles and I love movies about Los Angeles. Sure. And I, hey, I, I understand that people say we don't have seasons. I understand compared to the fucking Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that much variation between the seasons, but there's some, but you're still at the end of December. You're not going to go swimming. No, you, it's too It'd cold. Unimaginable. It is. Too, and yet they have like a pool party <laughs> that that's because there's a whole thing about it's like her birthday is around Christmas. So okay. we know that it's around Christmas time and they have a pool party and like yeah. Megan Fox and, and Jason Siegel and, and uh, Chris O'Dowd are, 
in the pool together okay. and they're both hitting on Megan Fox. It's a creepy uh, yeah, scene. Megan Fox is not well served by that movie. Somebody wrote an article at the time pointing out that she was better served than Transformers movies yeah. than she was in This Is 40 where she is literally purely a sex object. I actually think This Is 40 might be the only thing I've seen her in. Oh, you're missing out. Because I, ne- yeah, I never saw any of the Transformers movies and I never saw... They're showing saw... Uh, Jennifer's body at Beyond Fest. Yeah, that's one that I... That I'm going to go. I, I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, I, I, people speak highly of it. Um, and uh, what was K- uh, Karen Kusama's last movie? Uh, oh, Downfall? No. Was it? No. no. The hell was that movie called with Nicole Kidman? Fuck. Uh, I'm going to think of it. Um, all right. Um, and then another one that... Uh, and now I lost the kicks off. Oh yeah. City slickers, which Never is not, it. not a great movie, but it's also much like this is 40. It starts with the, the whole thing is like, we're 40. There's a big, I'm looking forward to in three more years, having a real <laughs> crisis about being, I mean, that's what goes on about being 40 over the um, hill. No, I, I'm weirdly for one very stupid reason. Okay. I am looking forward to turning 40. All right. So you can say this is 40. No. So I can say something else. All right. College football fans who are listening already know where I'm going with this. Okay. Do you know who Mike Gundy is? No. All right. College football coach. Sure. And there's a great, amazing rant that he's right about, by the way, but he's yelling at the press in this press conference about some of the things that uh, they're writing about his players, and he's reminding them, you know, these are student athletes. Right. Like, they're trying to go to school like this isn't you know and he's like uh and he's like you want to i can't remember what phrase he uses uh you know come at me you want to you want to come at somebody come at me i'm a man i'm 40 uh and that gif that or that little clip yeah i'm a man i'm 40 yeah um i'm gonna use every day for a year when i turn 40 i've been looking forward to it it. for like a decade yeah you don't want to look back on the year and regret having not said that as often as possible yeah um, so yeah, city slickers, uh, which is, um, not a great movie. I, okay. for a while it was one of those, cause there are certain sort of, um, I don't know, movies like that, you know, very populist movies that I will defend. And for a long time, city slickers was one of them for okay. me. And then what last year shot factory put out like a new, yeah. new, uh, uh, you know, new restoration from a 4k transfer, whatever and blu-ray. And they sent it to me and I watched it and I was like, Oh, this isn't very good. Yeah. I started to go back to those kind of big eighties comedies and watched a couple. I was like, I don't think these are good as people remember them being. Well, what's your, cause like nine to five is great. Nine, nine to five is great. Um, uh, the one I really think of the most is trading places, which I really think is oh, see, I pretty think bad. Great. I think that's really good. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoy Trading Places. I'm trying to think what else though. But speaking of Beverly Hills Cop, is not haven't seen that. It has some amazing like it was Eddie Murphy at his absolute sure. height, and so there are moments where you just like let Eddie Murphy go, and they're amazing. Yeah, Eddie Murphy and and uh, uh, Bronson Pinchot together in that okay. movie are so great. But a lot of the movie is really dumb, and especially the fact that. Beverly Hills Cop is billed and clearly structured as an action comedy, but the action is so weak. Yeah. It is like Martin, Martin Brest doesn't know what he's doing. Usually in, it takes the hit. And uh, <laughs> there's a shootout at the end. That's just like judge Reinhold behind a bush going <laughs> like, it's not, it's not at all exciting. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the, but the opening sequence is, uh, have you at least seen the opening sequence no. of, it's a part that's in Detroit and he's, uh, 
stopping a robbery and the semi truck, like the guy's trying to drive away and he's hanging on the back of this semi truck. And what they did, uh, and this feels like a sort of proto, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, Michael Bay type of move is that instead of the actual bumper of the semi, they welded like a solid steel, like piece just so they could just plow through parked cars. So there's a whole like blues brothers, this sequence of a semi truck through the streets in Detroit, just destroying cars (laughs) left and right. And that part's awesome. All right. But, uh, Martin Brest couldn't keep up that action energy, I guess with the rest of the, the film. All right. We're, we're, once again, we are far off topic. That'll happen. Uh, oh, Sleeping Beauty is another one that uh, is kicked off with a birthday. Uh, Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. The the whole legend is that it's her 16th oh, uh, right. birthday. It's been a long time since I've seen... Uh, I've probably haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. But um, uh, I, remember, I remember it, and I, I have looked it up and I remember Sleeping Beauty being one of the more beautiful Disney films of that era. Yeah. It sticks uh, in my memory is that, too, but I can't remember anything else about it, yeah. including this birthday fact. Um, I also found that there's a lot of, of course, reflection in birthday movies, or at least in birthday moments. Sure. Um, as far as a movie in general, I totally forgot that the conversation practically takes place around his birthday. I forgot that too. He's turning like 42 or 44 or something. Um, and it's sort of his paranoia is kicked off because he gets a birthday present inside his apartment where he thinks nobody else can get in. Somebody's left him a present or something. Um, and then that kind of comes back around again and again, the idea that he's getting older and... Um, cause him to reflect on the things he's done in life, not all of which he likes. Um, yeah, I, 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 um, I thought of that. I'm trying to think if I have any more. I think that's kind of where I was going with the Breaking Bad insecure thing is that it's as much looking backward as yeah. as forward. You know, and speaking of especially looking backward, uh, Ernst Lubitsch's Heaven Can Wait, uh, in which the main character, it starts with the main character going to hell and being forced to reflect on his life, but everything flashback is on one of his birthdays. Oh. So it goes back to when he was turning like nine or something and then like 15, 21 and so forth. Um, and just kind of checking in with it year to year that way. And it's super cool way to do that kind of flashback structure. It keeps it kind of organized in a way. I've never seen that heaven can wait. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It's terrific. Cool. I've seen the Warren Beatty heaven can wait, which is a different movie. I've not seen that one. Uh, I think you might recall from our TCM wrap up a couple of years ago. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I do recall that. I uh, didn't care for here comes Mr. Jordan very much. Didn't care for down to earth. Don't like these. Supernatural <laughs> things. Just the specific <laughs> thing does not yeah. seem to work for me. Yeah. You keep trying. Uh, I keep seeing them all. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to, uh, that came up a lot in my research is just a birthday party as sure. being sort of a, a lot of shenanigans can go on and you can right. have a lot of fun. So, um, uh, problem child. I haven't uh, seen it. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was, a. this is a, once again, our, our few years and age difference, sure. I think is, what I was the exact out? 90 maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was the exact age for problem child. Um, now this isn't, shenanigans isn't fun shenanigans but the omen has the birthday party where right. the, the 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 nanny right uh kills Sounds herself good. it's all for you damien right uh well uh, that movie is uh, a collection of great moments that don't hang together <laughs> very well and a great score like there's so much that's good about the omen but i can't talk too much about it uh that's a uh we'll be talking about the omen more uh, about, in the battleship pretension world pretty soon um what else? I had some more Uncle Buck. Haven't seen another it. one of those. Uh, I 
I like John Candy and everything he's ever done, but it doesn't mean everything he's ever done is a good movie. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So, Un- so Uncle Buck is like a, it's a great John Candy vehicle and has a lot of good John Candy moments. I don't think it's a great movie yeah. uh, altogether. Um, but I had some more old school has an extended kids birthday party sequence. That's right. Which is totally the, that. Uh, where um, Shaw William Scott accidentally shoots Will Ferrell in the jugular with a tranquilizer. Yep. Uh, and it has this whole tranquilizer sequence. Um, Another good kid's birthday. Uh, well, not quite kid, but teenager is uh, Rushmore and just Bill Murray looking around. Oh, right. And just hating That's his right. life at his yeah. son's birthday. Um, again, I'm going back and forth between comedy and horror. Sure. But the birds has a oh, yeah. bird attack yeah. at a birthday party. Um, uh, I had some more Schindler's List has a birthday party in it. I had forgotten that until I, I do not remember that at all. Yeah, um, the movie Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party. Our, our friend Stephen Tobolowsky. Yeah, I've never is, seen that one. Uh, it's just, it's I, I guess it's a documentary, but it's just him telling stories. But it is the day of his birthday party, and a bunch of his famous friend right. or his friends some of them are famous at least one of whom is Mina Savari which is always like weirds me out that it's a movie <laughs> and Mina Savari is just sitting there like laughing at Stephen Tolaski stories uh anyway um oh maybe my favorite okay well uh um uh, Ron Howard's Parenthood has a has a, a big birthday party set piece but no one of my favorite birthday parties in all of cinema is the birthday party for uh oh what is his what is the character's name uh the villain from three amigos played by alfonso aro okay who directed like water for chocolate okay and yet played a guapo i think is the villain's name okay uh have you seen three amigos no. oh man it's so I great I'm sure it is so great and he is such a great comedic villain because he's this henchman he like has this villain he's a very sort of you know Mexican Western movie yeah. henchmen of that era. He has a villa and a bunch, uh, or, or villain. He has a villa. He has a bunch of henchmen and he lives in a villa and all his henchmen throw him a birthday party. Okay. And, uh, uh, there's a whole famous, uh, exchange where he's, um, talking to one of his henchmen about how many pinatas he has okay. and whether or not he has a plethora of pinatas. <laughs> uh, but then my favorite line in the entire movie <laughs> is when his henchman gives him a birthday present and he opens it up and it's a sweater and he goes, it's a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So yeah, three amigos favorite birthday party uh, of all time. There's also a, not a great movie, but came up recently uh, on a, I think on a Patreon episode, um, lots of house from chocolate with Julia Binoche and Johnny Depp. Yeah. I've not seen that. uh, Has a birthday party that looks really fun. Uh, sweet yeah i've got a lot of birthday parties as confrontations okay which are uh, a good dramatic setup the first movie i thought of in general when you talked about this topic is punch drunk love oh right yeah. which also i guess the movie starts on a birthday though not his um because he keeps getting calls to go to his sister's birthday that's right um and then when he gets there uh, it immediately all goes to hell <laughs> um yeah. And it, I've always related to that scene because I've never felt comfortable at family birthday parties. <laughs> Even I mean, I get along well with my, all my family. I like them. But it's like, but there's always so, so much to talk about. you got to fill the time somehow. It always kind of drags, right? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I definitely feel you. I mean, that coming from the type of area I come from, meaning a very Catholic area, yeah. I have a huge, you know, I'm one of four children. Right. 
each of my parents was one of five children. So all of their siblings have a brood. Yeah. And then at this age, <laughs> like all of them have their own broods. And so did like they all live in the same area when uh, you were growing up. Yeah. When I was growing up, yeah. pretty much everyone still lived in, in the St. Louis area. So that's what I, 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 I tell like to relate to my wife who is the opposite grew right. up with just her immediate family. She has like some family in New York and Montreal and Hawaii, but just her immediate family yeah. live here. And I, I relate to her. Like if we lived in St. Louis, we would never have a free weekend yeah. because every weekend is someone's birthday, communion, wedding, yeah. baptism. There is always something going on with the family every weekend. And so, uh, yeah, large family birthday parties do have a do get me a little anxious yeah and that's very much what punch on glove is about is that anxiety and especially with him he has like seven sisters so seven or eight times a year they're gathering together to celebrate someone's birthday plus their kids right um so that's always been a cool setup to me uh the room at the very end never seen never, it you owe it to yourself to see the room uh i don't know i've never like i think i I don't know. Tyler and I went through a period in college where we would watch movies to, to laugh at them. See, this is the thing. Uh-huh. I resisted it for the same reason. Yeah. But then I watched it and it's actually in its own way. Super great. Okay. It like, if you, I feel like, I don't know, maybe you don't exactly watch movies the way I do, but I do like at least watching some movies as a window into someone's soul. Yeah. Yeah. It is completely a window into this guy's soul. That's why. Okay. Now I've, two roads I want to go down. Yeah. But I haven't seen not that. Uh, okay. Movie. Here's a, another group of movies that are generally considered very bad. Sure. That I saw once in the theater each. No, the third one. Okay. The prequel star Wars movies. Yeah. I saw the first two Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones in the theater. The third one, I waited until it was on HBO actually. And that's, that's what I watched. Bad. It's the best Revenge of the Sith. But, and I didn't like them at the time, like so many of my friends. But when I think back, because I think uh, you and I recently on, on this podcast, just a couple weeks ago during, during our film preview, disagreed a little bit about force awakens, which I find to be competent, but largely bland. Sure. Um, and in retrospect, I feel like I would like the prequel movies more than yeah. I did because I go they are what you're talking about. Yeah. Like they're a window. Like it's, he's so megalomaniacal, <laughs> like megalomaniacally in control of everything that it can't help, but reveal something I think yeah, about for sure. Uh, and then, so I'm, I am looking forward to rewatching the, the prequels. Um, but that's the thing about the room is that like, however incompetent it is and it, there's plenty of stuff you can laugh at, but and this is why I, I didn't really care for the disaster artist because you don't get anything from the disaster artist that you can't get from the room and much more interestingly. So like he's totally operating on his instincts, which is right at my alley. And uh-huh. then like everything about him is so strange and so compelling. And the whole movie is constantly seeking to aggrandize who someone who's clearly an awful person. <laughs> and that balance alone is so apparent in every moment. And so the movie ends with him, uh, his character having a surprise party and everyone telling him how great he is. <laughs> and it's so cl- <laughs> like so many, much of the, many of the lines of the movie are clear. There's things he wants people to say to him. And so he wrote them into a movie. Um, and there's something touching and creepy and weird and compelling about that. Um, I'm going to, before we move on, I'm going to run down three of the three movies. I remember Tyler and I, cause we used to do occasional bad sure. movie nights back when we were in college. And I think our choices are more damning of ourselves in retrospect than the movies themselves. Sure. Like, cause we were just being snobs. Right. So the first one I remember is Kangaroo Jack, which is a movie that have, I have not seen. And I remember nothing about yeah. it, but it's, it's, 
for that kind of thing, it seems like a hacky choice. Sure. Right. The second movie I remember is Crossroads, the Britney Spears vehicle, which in retrospect, I kind of realized was just us being like, uh, against snobs and maybe a little bit misogynistic, just saying like, Oh, this movie starts this, you know, teeny popper yeah. like pop star it can't possibly good never mind that it's from the director of fucking billy madison which is great <laughs> um but again i also don't remember crossroads being very good but uh and then the one god we're really bagging on martin breast this episode but the <laughs> one that really actually was truly bad is geely oh sure have you seen no geely um it's almost it's almost like i almost recommend it because it, it it's 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 a movie that everyone involved seems to have made at any point they had a choice. They made the wrong choice, (laughs) Uh, except for there are two, uh, essentially the, I would say, uh, uh, they'd be worthy of the battle of retention, uh, uh, best performance under 15 minutes award. There's one scene with Christopher Walken and one scene with Al Pacino and they're both great. It's hard to go wrong. Um, yeah. uh, Speaking of Al Pacino being great in bad movies, Jack and Jill. I mean, I I feel like uh, I haven't seen the movie, but that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, he's, he's incredible, but Geely is truly so wrongheaded. Like there's no, uh, it's almost impossible to watch a movie and going like, Oh, if they'd done this or this, like it's, it's so wrong. Everything about <laughs> it is so wrong. Uh, that, uh, that's the one that actually stands up. Yeah. But, uh, I take back my snobby 20 year old, sure. uh, dismissiveness of kangaroo Jack and crossroads. <laughs> uh, we should mention since you breeze past it, I think Billy Madison has a good birthday scene as I recall. Oh, right. Uh, because that's the whole, yeah, it does. It, which one i feel like it's kind of near the beginning oh when the clown falls yeah 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 yeah. that's right yeah yeah um but speaking of memorable because yeah it doesn't billy madison take place over the course of a year is that's what i thought it's between birthdays right because it's like a school year yeah Yeah. that's right that's right right. um but speaking of memorable birthday party it's the end of tony erdman oh yeah that's right maybe the greatest birthday party seen in all of cinema history (laughs) yeah um is that movie going to be remade with, uh, I don't know. They keep saying they're gonna, but yeah. now that Jack Nicholson is out, it's like, and he is officially out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who cares? Yeah. That would have been, that would have been fun, but also just watch Tony Erdman. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Uh, you know, uh, no, sorry. I had a couple other confrontation scenes. Okay, good. Uh, good. four months, three weeks and two days where in the midst of securing her best friend an abortion, uh, her boyfriend, like, forces her basically to come to his mother's birthday party. Wow. I don't remember that part. And it's one of the best shots on the whole movie is this shot of her just sitting miserably at the birthday party while everyone is chattering around her and like asking her vague questions about her life, but mostly just engaging the family conversation and the camera is like framed. So it's centered on her. And then just the periphery of the scene is everyone engaging a birthday party conversation and it's so brilliantly done. Um, that's a movie that I have never done this in my current job. Um, but at the job I was working at the time that it came out, I took a long lunch to go see it in the middle of the oh, day. Uh, yeah, that was a, uh, uh, yeah, that, that it was, that job was a placeholder job that I had. Sure. Um, but it was, I think it was like, I'd been trying to see it the entire time and it was like a Thursday afternoon. It was the last day that it was going to be at the sunset five. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to go down the street and just watch the little miserable for a few hours. Uh, yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the bitter tears of Petra von Kant? I have not. Okay. So that t- movie takes place in four sections. And one of those sections takes place on, uh, Petra's birthday. 
Um, and the whole movie is her trying to, David's leaving again. Uh, the whole movie is her trying to uh, retain and regain uh, the affections of her younger lover um, who doesn't seem like the Petra is definitely uh, committed to her sexuality in terms of recognizing that she loves women. The, her younger lover seems very like blase about it all. And so no matter what else happens on Petra's birthday, the fact that her younger lover doesn't, isn't calling her is all that matters. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm sure most of us have had a birthday like that where, we're kind of pinning it all on one person and that person isn't necessarily coming through and it just kind of sours the whole day. I mean, maybe you haven't, it sounds like you've led a pretty happy life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel today. Right. Um, I feel like, uh, accentuating the positive today. Sure. Um, and by the way, no one would have known I got up. It's uh, I'm, uh, you didn't have to announce it. Not, I'm sorry. It when throwing, I did it last week, I made way too much noise. It was throwing off my yeah. my rhythm, and so I didn't want the listener to but so, suspect what was going behind on. Behind the curtains, we recorded Tyler's place. Yeah. He's on a sign, but, but we're still recording here. And he has this. His house has this finicky. It's a little weird air conditioner, but he has the ability to control it from his phone. Right. So if it like weirdly shuts off and it boils because it's still. It might be September 18th, but it's still summer. Sure. And it is still summer weather here in Los Angeles. I know it's getting crisp in other parts of the country, and I uh, am jealous. But it gets hot in here. Yeah. And normally, Tyler can just turn it back on from his phone. But when he's not here, I have to get up and go out to the hallway and adjust the thermostat. So that's what that is. That's why it happened last week. That's why it happened tonight. Um, okay. Uh, I'm about done with my... I mean, I have, I have a ton more that I could just name. Sure. But, like... Liar Liar is another movie. Yeah. You know, there, you've got this whole like supernatural birthday wish thing. Liar right. Liar, 13 going on 30. Right. Um, uh, 13 going on 30, I remember being a very good movie. Never seen it. Uh, Liar Liar, I barely remember at all. Don't remember it. <laughs> uh, but I know Maura Tierney is the, uh, the romantic interest right. in it, and I am a big fan of Maura Tierney. I remember I watched it pretty soon after it came out, and the like... Jim Carrey does this like claw thing with his kid where he like makes his hand into like uh -huh. a grabby fist and like grabs the kid's stomach. And my dad used to do that to me too. <laughs> and I'm like, did my dad steal this from liar liar? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there are a couple more movies. You know, we were thinking about movies that were all about birthdays. I mentioned 16 candles, mentioned the game, um, Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party. But there's a couple more that I hadn't thought of at first, but on golden pond is kind of all about like, it's all, that's the Haven't whole reason it. that they're gathering. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, and then the one that actually, I think, quite a while ago on the podcast, I think I accidentally referred to this as a wedding movie because it feels like a wedding okay. movie. But a listener reminded me, no, the reason they're all gathered is for the Patriarch's birthday. And that's Thomas Vinterberg's The Celebration. Haven't seen it. Um, you, uh, that, would, that, that one I'm going to actually just go out and recommend that you do see. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know how you... This also might be a few years different thing. I don't, I don't know how you feel about Dogma 95. I haven't I, seen much of it, so I, I don't know if I have a feeling. I found it very invigorating and exciting at the time. It spoke to me uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and the celebration is uh, one of the crucial texts, if you will, okay. of Dogma 95. Um, and Thomas Vinterberg also hasn't made a movie this good since. Sure. He's made a <laughs> lot of movies. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure... Like the last one he made was Kursk, which was a very sort of, uh, which I think actually got re got released under the name of the command. Okay. But when I saw it at TIFF last year, it was called Kursk. Okay. And that's a very sort of, uh, formulaic true, st you know, based on a true story type of movie. Uh, he made, um, 
uh, it was called Dear Wendy. That movie was nuts. Okay. Um, and not in a great way, but, uh, yeah, the celebration is, is, is really great. Uh, and one of the absolute reason, one of the absolute best arguments in favor of Dogma 95, which is the thing that all these filmmakers, if we have the younger listeners who don't know, it's a bunch of filmmakers, Danes, I guess, who, um, uh, got together and wrote this manifesto about making movies in sort of a, I don't know, a pure way where you're shooting, um, they were shooting digital. There was no artificial light. Right. There was no, what I think think there's no tripods or anything. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No tripods. I don't think there's any score in the movies and there's a, a bunch of other weird rules. And what's funny about it is how few movies that they made, that actually, you know, like Lars von Trier started was part of Dogma Ninety Five. Right. Started breaking the rules almost immediately. Right. Um, uh, but the celebration is is one of those. Uh, there's also uh, is it called Italian for Beginners? Is it? It's a Dogma Ninety Five movie. Dogma Ninety Five rom com, which okay. is uh, <laughs> uh, I saw at the probably 2001 Chicago International Film Festival. All right. Um, and uh yeah so the celebration is uh, a movie that is actually all about uh, a birthday that i always forget is about a birthday because it's all thing where they like they're all staying at a hotel it's they, too much of a to do for your average birthday they, they've like rented the ballroom at the right. hotel for a big dinner like in my mind it just seems like it must have been a wedding right? yeah totally uh, but it's a birthday um all right any more that you wanted to get to yeah a couple um okay the Eric Romero's the good marriage, uh, which is about a woman who the, the movie starts with her, uh, canoodling with her boyfriend who, uh, abandons their soon to be sex to take a phone call, at which point she decides to dump him and declares she's going to get married. She doesn't know to who, but she, uh, decides that she's going to get married and soon fixes her affections on uh, an older successful businessman, um, who seems to like her, but doesn't seem to be like that interested in her. And it all comes to a head when she invites him to her younger sister's birthday party in which is mostly filled with like 20 something girls or like late teens girls even. And he's like in a suit and just come off from a day of work. Uh, and it really gets at uh, the differences of the place that they're in their lives. Uh, Chungking express briefly touches on in the first section. Oh, does it? Uh, the guy's about to turn 30. Um, as he's kind of recovering from his breakup. Uh, I think the deadline he sets for himself ends up concluding on his birthday. And it's kind of a sweet way to start. Uh, it very much gets at that feeling of turning 30 and feeling like your life is changing over. And his case, it really is because he's been dumped by his long-term girlfriend is pursuing this other woman um, is eating a lot of pineapple, some of which is expired. Um, but yeah, it's, and because the whole movie has this kind of like pre-millennium anxiety about it, it also kind of reflects that in an oblique way that I think works really well. Um, to go back to Romero real quick and yeah. another off-topic thing. Again, I'm still still recently back from from TIFF. The Lightbox, which is the uh, movie yeah. theater, multi-story movie theater that TIFF actually owns and operates year-round, but in where a lot of the screenings are, has in its lobby a massive poster for autumn tale yeah sweet i mean this which is a good movie first from era that i ever saw because i saw it in i don't know the, if i've gone to it yet actually. in the theater uh but it seems so well, it's such a weird of all the movies in the world right this much wall real estate <laughs> for late period eric Romare. i mean maybe it's the only gigantic poster they maybe had in the, storage that's or whatever a good point yeah sometimes you just got to fill the space yeah um do i have anything else i really want to get to um 
No, think I'm good. Ha- okay, I have one I want to end right, with sure. because it's the maybe the most disturbing, saddest birthday uh, scene in the, in any movie ever. Sweet. Uh, another horror movie, so I don't know if it's up your alley. Um, but I don't know if you've seen Neil Marshall's The Descent. No, but I have long wanted to. Uh, it's very good. Um, and yeah, so there is a part near the end where our heroine sort of facing the realization that she is possibly near the end of her life and may never escape this cave filled with uh, monsters has a hallucina- hallucination that she is celebrating a birthday party, a birthday with her dead daughter. <laughs> All right. It is so bleak. I love it. Um, and uh, the movie, as long as you don't watch the dumb uh, uh, American cut. Okay. Uh, the movie only gets bleaker from there. Stellar. Um, it, yeah. So uh, this is a fun episode. Um, thank you for uh, celebrating my birthday with hey, me. Absolutely. <laughs> Scott. Just a couple hours away. We're going to go hit the bars, right? Ring in midnight. Sure. What yeah, time of day were you born? One oh one a.m. Oh, we can uh, make it. And well, one oh one a.m. One oh one a.m. Central Time, which means eleven oh one p.m. Yeah, we're here. There. So yeah, it's almost my birthday. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can find my uh, all my TIFF reviews there. Uh, you could find. I don't know. I was trying to think if I had any Eric Romero. Well, you have a lot of Eric Romero uh, yeah. uh, from the Romarathon. Um, half halfway completed row marathon. I got know, held up by the green ray. I can't <laughs> figure that movie out. But of all the, because our you know people who contribute to Battleship Retention, including me and Tyler, uh, do so essentially on a volunteer basis. Yeah. And so of the, I say Romarathon has gotten further than most series that people have started. All right, because there I'll was one it. that was. Um, James Bond in reverse. It was like starting. Yeah. With, yeah. I, I guess at the time it would have been starting with like quantum of solace moving backwards. Sure. Um, there was one that I loved the idea of that only got a few entries called the last picture show in which yeah. someone, uh, one of our writers wrote about a director's final film. Yeah. Um, great idea for a series uh, and a great name. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, Romarathon got, so I would say, uh, Alex obviously has a beat with the criterion prediction. Oh, yeah. She does, uh, never catch that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, you, so you can read a lot about, a lot about Romare, but not autumn tail. He hasn't, Scott hasn't gotten to autumn tail yet. Got to crack the green ray. Yeah. Um, so that's all at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me. Uh, you can email me at David at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davy pretension. Uh, Scott, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at rail of tomorrow at battleship pretension and at criterion cast. Oh, and don't forget about the Patreon this week, uh, inspired by Tyler being a dick to some people <laughs> who didn't deserve it on Twitter. We did a, a countdown of our own personal favorite movie villains of all time. Um, did you see this no. change? <laughs> so, uh, there was something, you know, th- these things that go around Twitter where someone's like, you know, name five fruits or whatever and tag sure. four more people. Sure. So someone is, it was like a name your three favorite movie villains and tag however many other people yeah. to continue on. And so, and a listener tagged me and Tyler okay. and obviously we're not, you know, we didn't want to participate in that, but what happened is any response thereafter down the line, oh, sure. we were, we were, we were added on. So we were getting all these replies of people and I was just content to let it go, you know, but Tyler, <laughs> couldn't not chime in halfway through at this point 
including like a half dozen people and saying a lot of these choices are pretty basic. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so this thing that had been like a full 24 hours of people like supporting each other's choice of like, Oh, Chucky, that's a good one or whatever. Uh, suddenly turned into people turning on Tyler. And, uh, and so we did a, uh, Tyler's suggestion. We did a Patreon episode on our, our favorite villains in Tyler's defense. That is a much better way than the super annoying. Please take me off this chain. Uh, (laughs) I hate those emails. How important is your life? Just ignore the email like the rest of us. Oh, you are, you are preaching to the choir. Yeah. Um, and actually I will say this because I don't think he listens to the show anymore, but there was once a chain that, uh, uh, friend of the show and inexplicable fan favorite, Jason Eakin was on that. He asked to be taken off of. And I, um, I sent a very sort of faux magnanimous apologetic (laughs) reply, uh, that I'm still very proud of to this day. So, uh, thank you again for being here. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 